I went shopping again this week. How many of you know what this is? Anybody know what this is? This is a pomegranate. How many of you like, does anyone like pomegranates? Anyone a big fan of, you like pomegranates? Yeah. I like pomegranates too. I think they're really, really tasty. Has anyone ever tried to peel a pomegranate? Have you ever tried to peel one for yourself? It's not easy, is it? No, it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Maybe you understand why we put pomegranates on our patience banner because we saw pomegranates as a symbol of patience. You have to be patient to eat a pomegranate. It's not like an apple. You can't just shine it and bite into it. That's not how they work. The skin is thick. And inside of the pomegranate, there are lots of seeds inside there. And that's, that's what you eat is the seed. Connor is probably heading back to get a pomegranate right now. I doubt that. Really and seriously doubt that he's after a pomegranate. Inside the pomegranate, there are lots of seeds. And those seeds are protected by a husk that you should not eat that either. And so, you don't just peel a pomegranate. You don't just bite into it. You have to clean a pomegranate. And it is a long process. It is a lot of work. But the, the patience that it takes to get into a pomegranate, the patience is worth it. Pomegranates are considered a superfood. If you're one of those people that looks out for superfoods, it's a superfood. It is high in antioxidants. It is high in potassium. It is heart healthy. Pomegranates are believed to help lower your cholesterol and lower your blood pressure. So if you're like me and you need a little help with those things, a pomegranate is probably a, a good thing to eat. It's an anti-inflammatory. If you got a lot of pain and a lot of aches, it's an anti-inflammatory. It's an immunity booster. And it's also believed to be a cancer inhibitor. So a pomegranate is a very good thing to have, a very good thing for you. The fact is, all of those benefits though, every single benefit that I just listed is not only true of pomegranates, it's also true of patience. Every one of those things that a pomegranate does, you can also gain just by being patient. Patience is good for you. If only it tasted as good as a pomegranate. That's that's the problem with showing patience. We, we know it's hard. We know that it is work to be patient. We know that it is tedious. And we know that we can get hurt by showing patience to certain people. So why, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to be patient? Last week, we began by looking at the patience that God has shown us. We talked about His perfect patience. It's, his patience is... His patience is perfect in that God gives you and me the exact amount of patience that we need and the exact kind of patience that we need so that we can come to Him. We, we appreciate what that looks like when we are shown patience, but what about when we have to show it to others? Do we appreciate what it's like when we have to show patience to others, especially people who might be difficult? Have you ever wondered about Jesus? You ever wonder if Jesus ever lost his patience? I think he came pretty close a time or two. Um, Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be in Matthew 18 today. And in Matthew 18, Jesus is teaching his friends about how to forgive each other. And his instructions are very straightforward. They're, they're, they're very gracious instructions. And immediately after he gets done telling them how to forgive each other, Peter opens his mouth. <laughs> you can't see Peter raise his hand. I had a question. What about my brother? How many times should I forgive, his, forgive my brother? And the thing is, his brother is right there. 
sitting next to him. Andrew is right there. He's like, dude, I'm right here. What are you talking about? Can I forgive him seven times? Is that enough? I'm right. What did I do to you? And so Jesus tells a parable. And you know, as I read this parable in, in Matthew 18, I get the feeling that Jesus would rather not have to tell this parable. This is not a happily ever after parable. This isn't a parable like the, like the prodigal son where, where they all live happily ever. You know, there's a party at the end. There's no party at the end of this parable. This isn't a parable like the, um, uh, like the Good Samaritan where, where the, the man at the end is taken care of and we, we learn what it means to be someone's friend and be someone's neighbor. That, that's, this is not that kind of parable. There's no happily ever after at the end of this parable. This is a hard parable. It is a harsh parable, but it is exactly what we need to hear if we are to grasp the extent of God's patience towards us and the patience that we are to show one another. Jesus doesn't want us to miss this. Before we can understand how to respond to those who have hurt us, He wants us to see that God's patience is greater than our sin. God's patience is greater than our own sin. And again, we're going to be in Matthew 18, verses 21-35 through 35, if you want to follow along in one of those Bibles in front of you, it's page 823. And as I said, I don't think Jesus wanted to tell this parable. I I don't think He wanted to tell this story. I think He was forced into it. And let me tell you why. If you back up a couple of paragraphs, He tells another parable. And in that parable, He talks about a a man who had a hundred sheep. And one of those sheep goes off and runs off on its own. And so what does He do? He leaves the ninety and nine alone and He goes off looking for the lost sheep. And that parable tells us about God's heart for the lost. Doesn't tell us whether that sheep was a good sheep or a bad sheep, just that it was a sheep. Doesn't tell us whether that sheep had ever stressed out that guy before and he was just going to show it, you know, just let it run off and, and go do its own thing. No, the guy goes looking for the sheep. So we learn about God's heart for those that, that go astray. And then Jesus does some teaching and he talks about what if someone sins against you? What do you do when someone hurts you? Well, you go one on one and you confront that person and you tell them what they've done that hurt. And if they don't listen to you, you take a friend who, who's also going to tell them about it. And, and if they don't listen to them, you, you take them to the church where they're going to be loved and they're going to be, they're, they're going to be cared for. But if they don't listen to them, then you've got to confront this in, in different ways. But, but every step of the way, the desire is restoration. It is peace. It is forgiveness. It is love. The problem is they just weren't getting it. They weren't understanding the point. And it wasn't just that they weren't understanding the point. They weren't understanding the heart of God. And so, Jesus has already told them. And He's told them. And He's told them. And then Peter speaks up, and in verse 21 says, Peter came up and said to Him, Lord, how often will I forgive my brother's sin against Me? Will I forgive him as many as seven times? That's pretty generous. Seven times? That's Peter's idea. And he says, really, Peter, are you that dense? Have you not got it yet? But we might ask ourselves, have we gotten it yet? Because, you know, I see a lot of people, I see a lot of people struggling with guilt for themselves. They're wondering, has God really forgiven me? And I see a lot of people struggling with pain from other people saying, how am I supposed to forgive them? How am I supposed to forgive them? And so Jesus responds to Peter and really He answers, he answers all of us. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Some of your Bibles say 70 times seven times the point is don't keep track if you can forgive 77 times you can probably forgive 78 times 
It's not about it's not about keeping track of how many times you forgive. He says, Jesus said to him in verse 22, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven might be compared, the, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle one, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell at his knees, on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. You know, any, any time we, we encounter money in the Bible, we're at a disadvantage you know, we, we can't even keep track of money today. I don't, every now and then, someone will post something about the value of the yen or this or that or a Bitcoin. I can't figure it all out. I don't know how it works. So how are we supposed to understand money from, from 2,000 years ago? How much was a talent? It, it doesn't help that we use the word talent for something else. You know, that's, that's not, not for guitar playing here, obviously. But, you know, for other things, we use the word talent. So what was a talent? How much was a talent? A talent was a lot of money. It would take you 20 years, 20 years of labor to earn one talent. That is a lot of money. 20 years of labor to earn just one talent. How much does this man owe? He owes 10,000 talents. That is a ridiculous amount of money, and we're supposed to see it as a ridiculous amount. It is absolutely uh, undescribably, absolutely absurd that he would owe this much money. No one could owe that much. And Jesus intends for us to see that, to illustrate the immensity of our debt to God and the immensity of His forgiveness towards us. And then you, you hear the man's plea. Verse 26, so, so the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. No, you won't. No, you won't. There's no way you're going to pay back this debt. It would take 200,000 years of labor to pay this debt back. Have patience with me. That's what we're supposed to notice. The patience, the mercy of God. God's patience expressed in His mercy. His mercy towards this man. His mercy towards us. You cannot out God's patience. You cannot sink so low in your sin that He does not extend the offer of forgiveness. His patience is greater than your sin. It's greater than your mistakes. His patience with you is perfect. But you see, it's, it's not just about what God has done for us. It's about what we're supposed to do for others. Consider everything that Jesus has been teaching here. Consider Peter's question, and what we're supposed to see is that we haven't truly grasped God's patience until we've extended it to other people. We've not really understood the patience of God until we've extended it to other people. The parable doesn't end in verse 27. I think Jesus would rather it did. I would rather the parable ended in verse 27, but Jesus knows our hearts. And so He goes on in verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him, seizing him, he, he began to choke him, 
saying, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And again, what's a denarii? We don't have denarii today. What is a denarius? What is a denarii? A denarii, a single denarii, was a day's pay. That was it. It was just it's what you got paid for a day of labor. A denarius, denarii was a was a day's pay. This man owes him 100 denarii. And again, we are supposed to ask, where did he get all this money? How on earth does a servant, how does a servant come across 100 denarii to loan to someone else? Let the wheels turn for a minute. Where did he get this money? His master. He borrowed uh, just a, a bazillion dollars from his master and then he loaned some of it to the fellow servant. So whose debt is this? This isn't his debt. This doesn't belong to him. It, it belongs to his master. It belongs to the king. The reality is the debt doesn't belong to him. It belongs to the king and the debt has already been forgiven. You see, this, this man is, is no longer enslaved to this debt, but he's not figured that out in his heart yet. And we would have to admit, we have a hard time figuring that out in our hearts as well. God has forgiven us more than we could ever owe Him. And yet, we don't live like Him. We don't live like that. People do us wrong. Maybe we don't want them to pay, but we don't want them to forget either, do we? We may not want them to pay, but, but we don't want them to be free. We want them to know exactly what they've done. To us. We want them to know exactly how they have hurt us. Patience is hard. Showing patience to other people is hard. It's never easy, especially when they've hurt us. Pomegranates are hard. You know, pomegranates are really hard also. They're hard to peel. They're hard to clean. It's hard to get at the good stuff. So, so you know what we do? We take a shortcut. We make it easier. And we take a shortcut. Now we don't have to do all the hard work because we have palm wonderful 100% pomegranate juice plus 17 grams of sugar because this probably isn't sweet enough for you and me. We've got to have it like this. So we take a shortcut. And by the way, this costs pretty much the same as this. These are, these are about the same price. So we, we, we take this. We do this instead. It's, it's easier. Oh, but since it's been juiced, by the way, since it's been juiced, there's no fiber in there. I mean, if, if you're the kind of person who needs fiber... I don't know which one of you, I can't tell by looking at you, who needs fiber. But if you need fiber, you're not going to get it out of this. There's a lot of fiber in a pomegranate. But there's no fiber here. There's none of those benefits. By the way, um, here's a freebie for you. Uh, it's Mother's Day. And I know that sometimes mommies enjoy uh, a fruity beverage. Can I just say that? Sometimes mommies like a fruity beverage every now and then, right? Why are you laughing? Did you have a fruity beverage before church? I hope not. Wait till afternoon. Anyway, sometimes mommies enjoy a fruity beverage and occasionally that fruity beverage will be sweetened and flavored with something called grenadine. 
We've gotten a few nods, all right? You've, you've seen it. Uh, grenadine, a lot of people think that that is cherry syrup. It's not. It's pomegranate. It is pomegranate syrup. So, uh, if mommy needs a little patience, uh, she, might, she might find that in... The grenadine doesn't do anything for you. It just makes it sweeter. But, uh, you know, that's, that's part of it. There, that's your freebie for the day. You, don't have, you have no charge for that. You know, we, we juice it, and so many of the benefits of the pomegranate are gone. But they've done their best to make it look like a pomegranate. Can you tell? I mean, it's like two pomegranates. But even up here, it's got the same design as that, that naturally comes. They've done their best to make it look like it's what you need, but it's, it's a poor substitute. All of the work is gone, and with the work, a lot of the benefits are gone. All the goodness is gone. The servant has just been forgiven a debt that he would never be able to pay back. Not in 200,000 years. He couldn't have paid that debt back. And you, you heard his plea there in verse 26. The servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Then he finds a man who owes him a debt. And do you hear that man's plea in verse 29? That man says, have patience with me and I will pay you. We haven't truly grasped God's patience with us until we've extended it to others. Until we've grasped the nature of the debt of our sin, we won't know how to forgive other people. You see, it's not just about forgiveness. It's about trust. It's about trusting God. We're patient with God because we trust that one day every account will be settled. One day all the accounts will be settled. And again, I don't believe this is how Jesus wanted to end this parable. I believe those listening to Him would have been disturbed by the ending. I think we should allow ourselves to be disturbed by the ending of this parable as well. Because rather than learn the lesson, rather than grasp His Master's forgiveness, this parable ends with punishment. And remember, this is in response to Peter's question about how many times he should forgive his brother. And remember, this is also, Jesus began the parable by telling us, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You remember that at the very beginning, verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. What's the king's wish? He wants to settle accounts. And he is very willing to settle accounts by extending Forgiveness by forgiving the debt. Forgiveness like that would have changed a person's life. Forgiveness like that really ought to change a person's heart too. But it doesn't. And so in the end, the king is still settling accounts. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Be patient with me. That was the plea. That was the plea from the, fellow, from the servant. That was the, the plea from his fellow servant. We know what patience 
feels like. We know the, the frustration of patience. But do we truly understand what patience is? Could, could we really define patience? A, a friend of mine defined patience, and I love the way he put it. I wanted to share this with you. This is his definition of patience. Patience is a settled commitment to God's purposes that produces a willingness to wait for God. You hear that? Let me say it one more time. Patience is a settled commitment to God's purposes that produces a willingness to wait for God. Patience is trust. Patience is trust in action, or maybe even better, trust in waiting. Trusting that God will settle all accounts. One way or another, every debt will be paid. In His wisdom and knowledge, God will make sure that every wrong is addressed. In His grace and in His justice, those wrongs will be righted one way or another. And so the call for us is to wait. It is to trust. It is to display His patience. The patience that God first showed us. Now, none of that's easy. None of that is easy, and I'm sure there are ways that feel better than patience. I'm sure in, in some ways, bitterness seems like a better option at times. And resentment seems like a better option at times. But what do those gain you? They just gain you more frustration. They gain you more pain. They do nothing at all for your health, or physically, spiritually, or emotionally. What, it, what Jesus is calling us to here isn't just patience. What He's calling us to is to trust God. To trust that God's got it. And when we trust Him, we come closer to knowing His heart. There's a poet named Rainier Rilke. And Rainier Rilke had a quote. He said, Be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart. I like that. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart. That might be a lot. That might be a lot for you. That might be a, a, a massive debt. But in your patience, you will learn to trust in a God with a massive love for you. A God who has forgiven you so much and desires you to know Him, to know His heart, and to know His patience. Let's stand together and pray. Father, today we have celebrated some of those who have shown, shown us amazing patience through our lives. They nurtured us as a reflection of Your love and we are thankful to have known them and been loved by them and have seen Your love through them. But as we move forward in our lives, let us move forward reflecting Your love in our own lives and reflecting Your patience with the assurance that You are in control and that You alone can settle all accounts with complete justice and mercy. May the way we treat others, especially those who have proven to be difficult, may that be a reflection of the way you have treated us. May we do this not just for our own sakes, not just for our own health, but for your sake and to your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.